Good morning. Welcome once again to our In the Bag Ministry audio podcast. We greet you in Jesus' joy. Thank you for joining in with us this morning. You're going to need your Bible. If you have your Bible, turn, if you will, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 12. This is what is recorded in God's word. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is Pastor Reginald J. Houston, the pastor of Johnson Chapel, AME Church, lovely Lake Como area, Fort Worth, Texas. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 12. I want to talk to you a few moments about, a few minutes if you will, about the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare. We're introduced to our text by a husband and wife team named Frank and Ida Hammonds who gives to us this morning an understanding of what the Bible calls spiritual warfare. In his book and treatise, Pigs in the Parlor, Frank and Ida Hammonds points to the truth that demon spirits can and will invade and indwell human bodies. Since believers are owned by Christ, the Christian should always consider indwelling demonic spirits as unnecessary and undesirable trespassers. Permit me in passing to relate, a trespasser is one who unlawfully encroaches upon the territory of another. Saints of God, trespassers will always continue their unlawful practices until they are confronted and challenged on the basis of one's legal right. The Bible says that Jesus has purchased the believer with his own blood and has made that believer a steward over his own life. The devil has no legal right to one of God's children. However, it is up to the believer to defend his or her rights. No demon can remain when the Christian seriously desires him to go. James records, resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4 verse 7. Paul points out to the church at Ephesus that demons are spiritual enemies and it is the responsibility of each Christian to deal with them directly in spiritual warfare. Note here after arguing his case and isolating and identifying the demon existence 
and the effects of sin's stained olden consequences. Paul rests his case by saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This strength is not acne muscle strength or strength of limb. No, this strength comes from one's knowledge of the word. The word says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The power of his might comes from the teaching of the prophet Micah. Micah says, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. It is not our might, but his might. For without God's intervention and grace, we have no sight, no might, no light, no right, and most will run and hide without a fight. Paul further instructs that after being strong, do something. Put on the whole arm of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Dress for success so that you can take your stand against the schemes, tricks, and deception that the devil sends your way. Look at your hands and say, put it on, put it on, put it on. Put it on and take a stand. For if you don't stand for the Lord, you will fall before the devil. Now watch this. The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Wrestling is an accurate analogy in spiritual warfare because it speaks of close quarter fighting, which includes something we all know about, balled up fists, head button, scratching, biting, kicking, and choking. Wrestling is a one-on-one -on -one contest where one opponent singles out the other's weaknesses and looks for a strategy to become victorious. Satan tries to catch us off guard. That's O-F-F capital G-O-D. He comes when we least expect him, and usually from the blind side. And that's why it's important to understand Paul's analogy. For though we walk in the flesh, Paul says we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Not like a pistol or a knife, poison or a bomb. They're not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. I'm not making it up. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. Satan has a method. A method is a settled plan to conquer each one of us, along with our family, church, community, and nation. Satan's wiles or schemes implies that he's methodical. There's a method to his madness. He is a determined adversary and is always looking for a way to hurt and harm God's children. It's important to note that the devil does not play fair, rarely plays favorites, and will use everything, anything, and anybody to bring us down, destroy our dreams, and infiltrate our purpose, life, and future. Paul writes that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11 and 4. 
He's an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion, looking to devour. First Peter 5 and 8. But though Satan has a loud roar, it has been a habit for weak Christians to run from the sound, yet refuse to stand long enough to see that the roar is coming from a mouth that is toothless. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The lion's mouth is, is toothless. Satan's sacrificial death and resurrection not only took the sting out of death and victory from the grave, it also pulled the teeth out of the lion's mouth. Note here the implication of Jesus' act of redemption. God's saints do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. We do not fight in order to win. For in Christ we've already won. Don't miss that. In him we live, move, and have our being. In him we have life and have it more abundantly. Though Satan is defeated, he's still dangerous. Yet we are overcomers. And the Bible says we overcome the adversary by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. It's in there, Revelations 12, chapter, chapter 12, verse 11. Listen, God has promised armor for our protection and weapons for offensive warfare. If we read our text carefully, we notice that each piece of armor is offensive and placed in the front. There's nothing in the rear of the standing soldier because he or she is never expected to run or retreat. Thus we can withstand every assault against us and launch an attack that will overthrow the enemy and make us more than conquerors. Satan has three offensive wiles, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. This is the same strategy that he used on Jesus in the wilderness. However, Jesus defeated him there by using the word against him. Spiritual warfare embraces the knowledge that demon spirits are given authority to carry out orders that have been assigned to them. However, the Christian soldier need not to be dismayed or discouraged because he or she has even greater authority. They are vested with the authority of the name Jesus. And, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Jesus said, in my name shall they cast out devils. Mark 16, 17. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And when you think about it, that's all God expects from us. That's all we have to do. Utilize our knowledge of the word. The prophet Micah reminds us of God's expectation. Micah says, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Do, love, and walk are the divine prerequisites that takes our soul possessions back from the devil. For surely it seems like the devil is in control. When we look at the state of our union with pandemic, with a pandemic that seems to be racing and raging unchecked, it seems like the devil is in control. When we look at all the lies being told in the Senate, 
which could be spelled S-I-N-I-T, Senate. We look at people bickering and arguing while thousands are unemployed, hungry, and homeless. To the unsaved and unsuspecting that have no hope, it looks like the devil is in control. When we look at our American justice system, walled up like Jericho, partial and prejudicial, exhibiting a shoot first and consider the consequences of actions down the road and around the corner. It makes it, makes it look like the devil is in control. It looks like brown and black and brown people are in enemy territory, even in this land of the free and the home of the brave. For Satan has stained the land with his pandemic and walled cities. The land is stained with injustice, immorality, and many of our so-called inalienable rights have become inadmissible in court. Corruption has corroded the very steel fabric of our Constitution. Satan has stained the land with funeral services in every state of the Union, where 175,000 citizens have died. Yes, it oftentimes looked like Satan is in control. No quickly passing that we don't have to go to Washington, D.C. to see unnecessary meanness and madness and misery and murder. Satan has polluted and stained the land right here in DFW with his straightly shut up churches that resemble Joshua's Battle of Jericho. But we have churches on nearly every corner and crack houses, if not next door, just three houses down. Sad to say, but true anyway, the crack house does better business, has a larger clientele, which means more customers than the church. But that's not the worst part. The crack clientele are more faithful than church folk. Watch this. For they visit that place day and night. They will walk the streets barefoot and half naked in order to satisfy their lust of the flesh. And even the police can't keep them away. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just talking about what God told me to talk about. Some of us get upset if the preacher holds too long or asks us to come to the phone on Wednesday night to pray. Yes, sad to say, but true anyway, our churches like Jericho are straightly shut up. None went out and none came in because of the Israelites. However, the stain in our COVID situation and scenario lies in the fact that Satan has convinced the church to shut up. Some say what you will or may, but the Bible calls that spiritual warfare. It's spiritual warfare when we fail to confess our mess. It's spiritual warfare when we talk about each other more than we talk about and commune with God. Satan has convinced the church. Just shut up. There are some there are some things that we don't talk about in the church. We don't we we don't mention out loud that drug addiction has infiltrated and contaminated the best of families. Don't say nothing about that. Don't you dare. Don't mention that hatred and hopelessness and homelessness have annihilated the best of our ambitions. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing about pimps and pushers that are luring away the most promising of our youth 
gangs and bullies have used Al Capone tactics to take over our finest schools. And while all of this is going on, not every now and then, but every day, many of our churches are looking the other way and refuse to get involved. Satan has used the pandemic to stain the land. Much like Jericho was straightly shut up, surrounded by a great wall. What we have is a pathological liar in the White House and his enablers have allowed sickness and death to bring judgment on America and the world. There are strategies of using divisive tactics to separate and discriminate. It looks like sin and its consequences have stained the land. One one does doesn't one. What can the church do to get the stains out of our community? How can we, few as we might be, become difference maker that turn the tide in our situation from formidable to faithful, from defeat to victory? I submit to you that just like a shout got the stains out of the way for Joshua and Israel, the whole arm of God can rescue us from the deadly wiles of the COVID pandemic. And that's why I believe Jesus told his disciples during communion, this is my body, which is broken for you. That means he suffered, bled, and died, not because of what he was or what he did, but rather because of who we were and what we were doing. He was precious, but he died for the worthless. He was perfect, but he died for the pathetic. He was lowly, but he died for the proud. He was righteous, but he died for the corrupt. He was honest, but he died for the lying cheat. He was holy, but he died for the hateful. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God through him. The Bible says that a place called Calvary, a carpenter laid his head in the locks of his shoulders and he died for your sins and mine. Saints of God, he had never been a liar, never been a murderer, never been a thief, never been a gambler, never been a sinner or a cheat, but he died for all who had been and those who still are. Yet Sunday after Sunday, many live meaningless lives, refusing to understand that none of Satan's devilish devices could cast a single blemish on our Lord's perfection. Satan planned, plotted, and perpetuated his wiles to pollute Jesus' righteousness. Satan tried, but he could not use sin to shame him. Watch this. He could not use doubt to defeat him. Could not use fear to frustrate him. Could not use demons to defile him. Could not use pain to persuade him. Could not use hatred to control him. Could not use suffering to shake him. Could not use death to defile him. And Satan tried but he could not make death to hold him. He was falsely accused by the high priest, bound and beaten by Roman guards, despised by Pharisees, hated by Sadducees, betrayed and forsaken by close friends, misunderstood by his own family. But there was no justice for Jesus. The Bible says he was stripped of his garments, spit on by his friend, by his enemies, wounded by nails and pierced in his side with a spear, a crowd of thorn was jammed on his head, but in the church, where he is the chief cornerstone, there was no justice for Jesus. But remember, especially during this pandemic, if God's bring you to it, 
He's able to bring you through it. Earlier that third day morning, he who died for our sins stood up to stoop no more with all power in his hands. Somebody ought to shout, thank you, that all power was in his hands. In the country where I grew up, the saints of old used to sing this hymn. All power, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransom from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him, crown him, crown him Lord of all. Let us pray and touch and agree that God is able. Again, let us pray and touch and agree that God is able. Demons, I know that you are here in the midst of this pandemic. I know of your presence and your evil works. For you are not only deadly, but a destruction of faith and families. I tell you that you have no right to stay in this nation or in this world. We are a peculiar people and a royal priesthood who belongs to Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus purchased us with his own blood on Calvary. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everything that defiles and defrauds is cast out in Jesus' name. You are a trespasser and a con artist. And now you must go. We pray for a vaccine to eradicate this virus. And when, not if, but when it comes, it will be distributed in a just manner to both rich and poor, to have and have not, to uptown and homeless. I pray for folk to start caring and loving their neighbor enough to wear masks. I bind the brokenhearted, and I pray that grace and mercy will set captives free. I command COVID-19 to go now in the name of Jesus. Satan, the blood of Calvary, and the open tomb of Jesus say, go now. I speak healing to this nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And amen.